How did I end up here? Behind every mess of harmful habits and rough relationships, we can look back and see where we got on the wrong track. Let's untangle our lives by learning how to avoid bad advice on today's new series. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so thankful that you are joining us today. And we believe you are where you need to be listening to this podcast today. And we are praying that God will give you a reason and purpose of why he has you where you are. Hey, uh, before I get started, I do have to mention, I apologize in advance. Uh, My voice is a little hoarse today. Um, I'm dealing with some allergies. Uh, Plus, also, I went and uh, went to a uh, football game, college football game. I watched Michigan play Nebraska. I'm a Michigan fan. And... uh, I got to cheer them on, and my voice, uh, of course, um, is um, a little hoarse from that as well. So the combination of the two makes a little, uh, little different today, and so I pray that you'll bear with me, and I also pray that you'll pray with me to help with some healing with that. So um, let's just dive in. Ready? Uh, we're in a series called Bad Advice. Now, some of you may be thinking, why in the world would I listen to a podcast for bad advice. Well, let me tell you that there are so many of us that when we look at the way we we live, when we look at the way we behave, it's almost as if we're following bad advice. So what I want to do is I want to give some bad advice and we we do it in the context uh, of of a church setting or in the sense, this podcast setting, I believe it's going to be incredibly obvious that oftentimes when we're actually following this bad advice, then when we see it for what it is, we're going to look at God, uh, godly advice and good advice from God's word, okay? And I believe that God will use this to impact a lot of lives in a powerful way. And so I want to ask a question to start today's episode. Uh, don't answer it yet. I want to kind of set it up, and then I'm going to ask it again. The question is this. I wonder how many of you at one point in your life were actually closer to God than you are today, okay? Don't answer it yet. I want to kind of unpack it for a moment, okay? Think about it this way. Was there ever a time in your life, maybe years ago, when you were not, or I'm sorry, where you were more passionate about God's word, that you would faithfully study his word, that almost daily there would be excitement, where you might have said things like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that before. This spoke to me in a powerful way. I was transformed by the word in this way. I want to get to church early. I want to be on the front row. I can't wait for worship. I'm excited, leaning in, expecting to hear something great from God. I'm bringing people to church with me. And oh my gosh, if I could just have them here, I believe their life would be changed. Maybe you were on fire to pray faithfully, seeking God as you are praying. God would answer prayers and you were like, wow, he did it. He did that. I believe he'll do this, right? How many of you would say honestly that you maybe had a passion like that, but somehow over time, life kind of happened and you cooled in your passion for Jesus? Those of you who are Jesus followers, you may, how many of you would say, yes, honestly, there was probably a time in my life when I was full of more passion 
for God that I am today? Could you be honest with yourself today? Okay. And see, I like the story of what happened in a, in a couple's marriage. Years ago, there was a couple that always would sit side by side in their truck. The husband would drive and the wife would cuddle up right next to her honey bunny, right? And he'd put his arm around her, snuggling as they drove in their truck. Well, 20 years later or so, the wife was actually sitting on the passenger side as the husband still drove the truck. And the wife said, honey, what happened to us? Remember back when we always used to cuddle as you were driving the truck? And the husband smiled playfully and said, well, sweetheart, I wasn't the one who moved. If there was a time in your life that you were closer to the presence and the person of God than you are today, may I suggest that God isn't the one who moved. I believe God is going to use this, this episode today in people's lives. We're, we're talking about bad advice, and I want to specifically talk about how to drift from God. That's our topic today. That's the bad advice today, how to drift from God. In fact, I want to start with a parable from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, it's from Matthew 13, 19 through 23, and uh, here's what it says. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those, those, who, those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Jesus was essentially going to say to his listeners, you are actually one of those different types of soils. And I would challenge to ask yourself, which type do you think you might be? Let's look at the application in Matthew 13, 19. Jesus talked about what this means to those who are going along the path. Verse 19, let's, let's listen to that again. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So let's get real transparent for a moment. That is what will happen to some of you today. God's word, the seed will be sown towards you. And when you hear it, you're going to be like, it doesn't really make any sense. You know, why wasn't Dan funny today, right? Why weren't there any cat jokes? You know, I like when Dan does cat jokes and, you know, maybe I just don't like Dan's voice today or whatever, or or maybe this is just a weird podcast. Whatever it might be, right? You'll go away today just as you came, right? You hear the word and yet nothing happens in your heart. You'll go along the way. And then he talks about the rocky ground in verses 20 and 21. Let's read that again. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And quite honestly, that will be some of you today. You're going to hear this with joy and say, oh yes, you're right. I want to be closer to God again. And you'll start scooting back over closer to God and you will say, I feel it. You know, 
Maybe I'm going to be in a small group, a life group, right? Or I'm going to start serving in my church and I'm going to start reading a Bible plan. I'm going to get close to God again. And for a little while you will. And then boom, one day something's going to happen, right? You get a bad report. Someone makes fun of you. Instead of living with that passion, you're going to fall away. Jesus said that's what happens when there's seed sown along the rocky ground. Let's read verse 22 again. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. This will be some people too. These aren't bad people at all. These are good people. You might be sitting next to someone right now, or you might be the person, right? This is someone who really wants to get it right, but, but what happens? We get preoccupied with life. You know, I just got married, and, and we're newlyweds, and we're trying to get this figured out, and she squeezes the toothpaste in the wrong place, and, and he puts the toilet paper on wrong, right? And then we kissed a little too much, and now there's a baby coming, right? We, we got our firstborn, and now we have a minivan. I swore I'd never drive a minivan. And now we own a house, and we got a yard, and now we got a mortgage to pay, credit card bills, and now two kids and another stroller, right? Life just kind of happens to you. And you don't mean to, but you just get busy. The worries of this life choke out the word of God. And then verse 23 says this, The seed that fell on the ground, on, on, sorry, on good soil, represents who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. I believe that there are many of you that are listening today that your heart is good soil, that God has been working on you, preparing you for this moment. When his word lands in your heart, you will see a divine harvest, but the seed that falls on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, whenever Jesus said this, people looked at him like, what? No way. That's, that's impossible. Because Jesus lived in an agricultural economy where essentially everyone would know if you got an eightfold or a tenfold return on seed planted, you're excited. Thirtyfold, unheard of, right? Sixtyfold, that's a miracle. And a hundredfold, only God could bring that about. But when the word of God is planted in a heart and it lands in good soil, the fruit that God can bring can go beyond your ability to imagine, comprehend, or even dream possible. That's what happens when the seed falls on good soil. But we have to be careful because there are some of you who said there, there was a time when I was closer to God, but I drifted away, right? Years ago when I was a little kid, we went to the Platte River which is a, a small river in the state of Nebraska. It's very, very shallow in spots. It's got a lot of sandbars, but then there's some deep spots. Uh, but it is quick moving. It's, it's pretty quick moving. And we would go there to do some swimming. And, and my mom was like crazy safe, like sunscreen, extra sunscreen, and extra, extra sunscreen, right? She, she would always tell us, watch out for the, the gars. These, these, these are the type of fish that live in this river that have very sharp teeth. Watch out for the fishing lines. Watch out for the undertoes. It could all get you, right? She was so worried. So what she did is she had this red towel that was on the shore. So when we were out there playing, only in basically, you know, most of the time knee-deep water, you know, because we'll be taken away is what she's worried about. Although there was some deep spots. Like I said, sometimes it would just drop off and be over our heads. 
And she would say, watch for the red towel. Keep your eye on the red towel. Keep your eye on the red towel. My siblings and I were out there playing and having fun, and we were thinking red towel, red towel, red towel, red towel, the only red towel that was out there, right? Well, what happens when you're in the water, in the river, is the current will come along. And suddenly, we forgot the red towel. We're out there having fun, looked up, where's the red towel? Oh no, what happened? We had drifted unknowingly away, just enjoying the water, enjoying the sun, and we didn't even recognize what had happened. We, we had drifted away. Could I say that there are many that, that don't even recognize how far we've drifted from the strength, the presence, the goodness, and the grace of God? Hebrews 2, 1 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, so that we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Here's where I want to give you some bad advice. Ready? Here's some really bad advice. If you ever wake up, you, you, you've got joy that's abundant in your life. You sense God leading you. You know the Holy Spirit is with you. When you're praying for seeing and you're seeing results, when you're reading the word and it's filling you, God is using you in people's lives. You're active in the church. You're making a difference. Your spiritual gifts are alive. God is using you for, you for his glory. And you say, I can't take it anymore. You know, I'm burnt out, I'm worn out. I want to show you very specifically how to drift from God. Are you ready for this? I hope you are, okay? Number one, neglect your time with God. This is really important. If you want to drift from God, neglect your time with God. Psalm 63, 1 says, David was in the desert of Judah and he cried out, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Don't do that. Don't seek God, don't yearn for him, don't crave his presence, because that's the only way you're going to make you get close to him. Just do not do that. Neglect your time with God. Don't read the Bible, because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It washes your mind and makes you new. It speaks to you and encourages you. It builds your faith and gives gives you your strength. And by all means, neglect the word of God. Don't ever worship. When you go to church, just don't worship. Sit there and look at the lights, you know. Just don't let it get in your heart. Think about the music being too loud. Just look around. Just just avoid everything. Come in late if you have to. Sit in the back. Don't pay attention. And if you can help it, just don't go to church at all. In fact, if it'd be better if be if you were like most American Christians, just come once a month. That's really effective. And then don't get involved. Don't use your gifts. Don't pray. Don't seek God. Ignore God. And neglect your time with him. The second thing you want to do, if you truly want to drift from God, is this. And I encourage you to do this. Is hang around the wrong people. Oh, this is so good. Why? Because it's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. If you want to be outside the will of God, make sure you hang around some really ungodly people. Not to share your faith with them, but just because you like being around people that are worse than you. Why? Because they make you feel better about yourself. They will drag you down, right? 1 Corinthians 15, says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You need to remember that. Don't hang around people who are faithful in their walk with Jesus. You know why? They'll do stuff like encourage you in the Lord and annoying stuff like that, right? They might hold you accountable as iron sharpens iron. They might pray for you, and who would want that, right? Don't be around people who make you better and make you more like Christ. Get around people that ignore Jesus, that say a lot of bad words, watch really bad stuff, and let it drag you down. 
If you really want to go for it, if you're not married, my best advice would be marry a non-believer. Be unequally yoked. They don't have to be even a really bad person, right? It would be even better if they could be what I call a cultural Christian, someone who claims Christ but doesn't know him at all. If you really want to drift from God, hang around the wrong people. Number three, give in to temptation. Do this over and over and over again. Never resist temptation. Why? Because sin is so much fun. You know, how many of you would agree? How many of you say sin's fun? Sin's fun, right? And, and if you're not agreeing with me, either you didn't do it right or you're lying, right? It's fun. It's a blast until it's not, right? I mean, it's fun for a while until it kicks you in the know what, right? It's like a sneeze. It feels good coming out, then it's snot, <laughs> right? <laughs> you want to drift from God, give in to temptation. In fact, this is what James, the brother of Jesus, said. James 1, 14 through 15, he said, But each person is tempted when they are being dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Isn't that the goal, right? Isn't that what you want? Spiritual death? You, you've got no joy, no passion, no life, no faith. Spiritual death. Isn't that our goal? When you're tempted, do not fight it. Don't resist it. Just give in to it. If you have to bring God into the whole thing, just ask him to forgive you and then keep on doing it. Just, just tell yourself he understands and just keep on doing it. And above all else, hide your sins. Rationalize them. Don't tell anybody about it. If you want to drift from God, give in to temptation. Number four, if you want to drift from God, love this world more than you love God. John said this, John, 1 John 2.15, he said, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. That's why you want to fall in love with this world. You don't want to fall in love with the Father, right? But leave this world as your home. Sell out to materialism. Get more and more and more and more, and then if you can get into debt, that's even better because then you'll have financial bondage to go along with your materialism. Obsess about things that don't really matter. I mean, we can all enjoy sports, but it's better if you obsess about them, right? If you pick your favorite hobbies, I don't know what they might be. Extreme ironing, competitive dog grooming, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, just go all the way in with everything that you have so that you stop being connected to God, right? Whatever it takes. One more thing. If you're taking notes, you know, you want to write this down because if all else fails, fake it, Right? If everything else fails, just fake that you're still close to Jesus. And that is a guaranteed way to make it not work. I love Isaiah 29, 13, when the Lord says this. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's exactly what you want. You, you don't have to be incredibly immoral. You can just fake it. And you know the drill. You could put a bumper sticker on your car. You can learn the Christianese language. And if you don't know it, maybe some of you aren't church people. We have our own language. Just throw in some spiritual words like, Lord, sanctify me in front of everything, right? Whoa, that person must be really on fire. Or you can just fight with your spouse all the way to church. But when you come in, just say, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Glad to see you, right? You can fool everybody. Just learn to fake it. That was a really hard to be sarcastic for that long in the middle of a in the middle of a podcast. But I hope you'll see some effectiveness in what I just did. That when we talk about what we often do in terms like that, it becomes incredibly obvious that many of us are essentially following bad advice. 
And the reason I was so insistent on trying to make this point is not because I'm coming down on anybody, but because this was a real issue in my life at a very significant point in my development as a pastor. I felt like God showed me that I had become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Christ. I don't know what your image might be, but some of you might say, well, I'm a full-time parent and a part-time follower of Christ, or I'm a full-time student and a part-time follower of Christ. I'm a full-time business owner and a part-time follower of Christ. Because when you look at it, if there was a time before you were closer to Jesus than you are today, what happened? We need to recognize that he didn't move, that we actually drifted away. Now, if you're feeling what the Bible or scholars might call conviction right now, if you're feeling that, it's a good thing. Meaning this is speaking to you. You are recognizing, recognizing this is really me. If that's happening to you, let me just tell you, that's a good thing. Why? Because your heart is good soil. That means that as the word is going out, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You know, Don't worry if that's you. Be, be encouraged. If on the other hand, you know you've drifted from God and you're hearing this and you're thinking, I don't really like this one. Wish you'd talk about something else. And why am I even here today, right? If you know you drifted from God and that's your attitude, that's when you really need to be cautious and be aware, pay attention, because your heart, the soil, might be rocky ground or thorny. What we want to do is go before God and say, make it good, right? Make it good. You know, the scary thing is that there are some of you that are listening or you know, and, and you have a reputation for being a Jesus follower. Why? Because at one time you were really, really passionate about pursuing him. But if you're really, really honest right now, some of you would say, I'm actually more spiritually dead on the inside. Maybe I'm not dead, but I'm just not passionate. If you're really, really honest, many of you would say, yeah, there was a time in my life when I was much closer to God, to knowing God intimately than I am today. I've drifted. You have a reputation for being alive, but the fact is, you're really not. So what do we do? What do we do when we recognize this could be an issue for us? Well, I love what Jesus said in Revelation 2. He said, return to your first love. Those are some very strong words. He was speaking to the church in Ephesus. And so let's read what he said to them. Revelation 2, 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. In other words, there was a time when you were more passionate about the love that God had for you. You've forsaken that love. And then he said this in Revelation 2, 5. He says, look how far you have fallen. Maybe that's what some of you need to do right now. Consider where you were and consider how far you've drifted away. And then Jesus very simply said, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. So what do you do if you recognize you drifted from God? Maybe cry a little bit, right? And then repent, repent. you know, crave some, something more, something better, deep from the depths of your soul. You know, I want to be intimate with my first love. I don't want to sell out to the things of this world. I, want, I don't want to be held in bondage to the temptation. I don't want to be dragged down by the wrong people. I want to be a light that drives people closer to God. I don't want to neglect the God who sent his son for me. I want to put him first. I want to love his church. I want to embrace his word. I want to be filled with his spirit. I want to be led every, every day, step by step. And I want my life to glorify the one who gave his life for me. So what do you do when you wake up and you realize that you've drifted? You recognize that God never moved. Because when you draw near to him, he always draws near to you. So what do we do? We repent 
and we do the things we did at first. The grace of God is there to take us back in a moment, in a heartbeat. We can be intimate with him again. That is good advice and godly advice that can transform all of our lives. Amen. This concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue our series on bad advice. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast in Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.